0: hi and welcome to a new episode of the walk i'm father roderick i'm walking in the woods it's a beautiful day although uh, it's cloudy it's not raining and the temperature is much lower than last week so it's it's great to be in the in the woods and the smell is fantastic i love it there is you don't smell the traffic like in when i'm at home in the city there's almost no no noise the only sound you hear are the 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 birds. And even the birds are kind of quiet this morning. Do I hear any? I hear a little bit of chirping. That's all. Everybody's relaxing. And so am I. I love these walks because they help me to think and to reflect and make plans as well. And uh, last time I I promised you that I would uh, uh, go back to one of my favorite topics, which is the topic of simplicity and Simplifying. Um, and minimizing the amount of clutter in my life. And I've shared with you many times before how I have been decluttering my home. Um, and after I came back from, vac- from my vacation, in my short vacation in France, I had an extra incentive to, to continue to declutter. And the reason was that, and I don't know if I shared this with you when I talked about my vacation, but we ended up in this home, in this cottage, in the middle of nowhere... That was stuffed to the brim with, with junk. Basically, there had been a, this English family, and they had been collecting for most of their lives. And the house is still as if they left it the day before. In every room, on every window sill, uh, in uh, uh, every cupboard, was filled with, with, with souvenirs, with plates, with toys, with books, with just unbelievable and everything was dusty the kitchen had more plates than you would need for an entire orphanage, Charles Dickens style Um, they had five of everything and four of them were broken so instead of throwing them away or repairing them, they would just buy new stuff and it was suffocating there was a kind of a, a charming side to it in the sense that you enter into a uh, house where you can feel that people lived there, and everything uh, t- t- talks about the kind of people they were or are. I don't know if they're still alive, but they're not living there anymore. So you see all their souvenirs from places they visited, the books that they had. I mean, there was everything from James Bond novels to Harry Potter to um, uh, tourist guides and everything. These people were very internationally oriented. And and we're big readers, you could totally tell that. But at the same time, there was something, something suffocating about it. It's like, why would you need so much junk? And why would you leave it into a home that you're renting out to vacationers? And we had to deal with all that junk. And most of it was broken or dirty, or a combination thereof. And so I vowed that if I came home, I would continue my my mission of decluttering my life, because what good is clutter? What good are souvenirs if you're no longer there? And that is something I think uh, particularly true when it comes to uh, our own personal lives. We often keep stuff because we think, well, what if? What if I, I need this in the future, what if someone comes along and asks, Hey, do you have any th- this or that? And then you can say, Well, hey, yeah, I just happened to have that, didn't I, I can lend it to you. you. You can borrow it from me. Um, sometimes people will keep clutter because they think, Well, well you know, I'm going to pass this on to my children later on. And when they go and live alone and they can get the couch and they can get the f- furniture or whatever, our paintings... The truth is that most likely your kids will say, well, pfft, yeah, that's nice, and they may get a few items uh, for it because it's, it's, there's this emotional connection with you, but most of the stuff will be old and will need to be replaced or will not totally not be their style. So why would you stuff your house to pass on to your children if <laughs> there, the chances are huge that... Once they get to decide on what to keep and what not, they will throw away 89% of the stuff. What is of value to you is not necessarily of value to others. That is a main rule in, in anything we do. We always, before we think that something is important to other people, because if it's important to us, we need to verify whether that is the case or not. This is also true for, the, for ideas, even for faith we uh, if you believe in god and you have certain values and 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 you uphold certain things you tend to think that someone else cannot be happy without that what you hold so hold so dearly um politics same thing why are people so uptight about their party and their you know their their political uh views and why do they get so frustrated when other people don't share those same values. It's often because we have this single perspective and we assume that what matters to us has to matter to other people as well. The thing is, it often doesn't. Whether that is you know, morally correct or not, or whether that will lead to ultimate salvation or not, that's a whole different question. I'm not talking about that, because of course I, I do believe that certain truths... Are you know not interchangeable for other truths? <laughs> it's it's not a matter of perspective, as Obi Wan Kenobi would say. Um, but th- that's th- before you even get to that discussion. You need to realize that the things that you uphold and are important to you may not matter that matter that much to other people, at least not at this point in their lives. And the one of the things that I've Learned over time, and I'm still learning because it's 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 an easy temptation to think that I'm always right and that other person needs to be con- needs to be convinced or converted. Uh, what I've gradually discovered is that um, most of the tension that arises from these conflicts with people that live another life um, don't share what I hold dearly the tension is in me and it's not necessarily in the relationship or it's not even likely to be in the relationship it's it's my attitude that can trigger sometimes hostility because i kind of seem to judge or condemn or whatever discard what other people hold dear because it doesn't match what i find important again this is not to relativize what I believe in. And I still, I think it's very important that if you believe in things, you know, hold them dearly, but also don't try to push them, uh, to, to enforce them on other people. One of the most important, most important values I think in, in the Catholic faith is the notion of freedom and personal conscience. And, the conscience that we have is the voice of God and if I force that conscience if I try to push someone in a direction that he or she doesn't want to go or doesn't want to go yet I, it's almost as if I don't trust the voice of God that works in the conscience of the people around me the forced conversions like sometimes in history certain religions including the Catholic Church, has been tempted to use in order to grow, force people to to go to church. I noticed this when I was in Rome and we went to visit the uh, Jewish quarters. And there have been popes that kind of used that, uh, the power that they have over, over the city, to force the, the Jewish people in that neighborhood to go to church. They had to go to church on Sunday. They had to wear... Uh, um, Yellow hats, etc. So people could see that they were Jewish, um, and it was all pr- pressure put on them so that they would convert. There is absolutely no one right now in the Catholic Church that would say that. Well, that was a good idea. Let's go back to that practice. No, because what you do is you, you, um, you destroy people's freedom, and if there is no freedom, there can't be genuine faith. Faith is built on a free decision. Our whole relationship with God is based on a free decision of our free will to adhere to him. Jesus didn't go to, to P- Peter and, and James and John with a, you know, <laughs> with a sword. Is like, okay, I'll just, you know, you can choose either you follow me or I'll cut your throat. He's <laughs> like, come. He invited them to follow him. He never forced them to do that. Even in the moments where it counted most, when before he was arrested, he takes his disciples to the to the to the garden and he prays, and then he comes back and is like, "You guys are sleeping. <laughs> well, go sleep." But he doesn't tell them, "Well, you know what? Uh, it's either you follow me, or um, I'll kill you here right on spot, <laughs> or I'll snap my fingers and you will cease to exist, or whatever." Jesus respects the freedom of his own, his dearest friends, even Judas. He doesn't stop Judas from what he's about to do. He respects the freedom, the free choice. Because it's only when people are free that they can truly love. It's also because of freedom that people can choose to hate and to turn their backs on what is good. But that is not something you can remedy by forcing people to go the other way. At least when it comes to faith. Well, what does this have to do with minimalism and and decluttering your life? Well, in a certain way, thinking, holding on to stuff because you think that your children will need this or um, because it's too valuable for you. So you can't get rid of that. Always remind yourself it's only valuable to you. Not necessarily valuable to other people. And a nice thought exercise could be... Wait a minute, where am I? Oh, I know this place. This is where the horses live. This is where the horses are. They ride right behind this fence. Oh, I've been looking for horses all the time. There they are. There they are, walking there. One black one and a brown one with white legs. Beautiful. Beautiful. So nice. I'm going to take this path. I think I can go there, even though there's a fence. I think this is just one of the usual, the regular paths that um, pedestrians can take or people that walk, like me. Where was I? Um, yeah, so holding on to stuff. The, a thought exercise could be what if you were not related to you and you would look at all the Commemorative junk that you 're keeping in your house and that 's cluttering up your life. Uh, what about your your personal stuff the photos and everything? Would that person think that is of value to him or her? Probably not because unless they are just objectively beautiful photos, but they won 't really care for. 2,000 photos of your backyard or your dog or your or your cat or whatever. So, it's... Now, of course, this is digital junk, so it doesn't really take too much space. It's just a hard drive. Uh, that's the advantage of digital clutter. But imagine you had paintings or, or souvenirs of your f- vacations. Um, would they care if they weren't with you on that journey, on that vacation? Would they pay for that? Probably not so the value is in you it's not in the stuff itself, it's not an objective value it's a personal subjective value I'm not saying that that is not important that it's not something um, certain things will connect you to the people you love or to cherished memories and may have a may, may help you uh, to remember important lessons in your life or whatever. I still have the golden ticket that I was given years ago um, uh, uh, when I was in Rome for a conference and I, I got to meet um, uh, Pope Benedict XVI. I, I still remember I, that they gave me the ticket. I did not expect to be face-to-face and shake hands with the Pope. That was an amazing moment in my life. I st- it's a small piece of paper. It's totally of no value to anyone else. I still kept it because it doesn't take too much place. But it's also something that I know I could discard easily because the value is not in that golden ticket. It has a yellow color, that's why I call it the golden ticket. As an homage to uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> but um, it, it's, I, I still have a photo of that meeting where you know I've, I'm talking to Pope Benedict. So that's, in a way, much more of an objective thing. Uh Even though pff, gosh, there's so many thousands and thousands of people that have met the Pope, you know why why would my photo be more special than anyone else's so even that is relative, but i could I could get rid of it because I know that the the, the thing of value was that meeting, and it's the memory that I have so the 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 object itself just triggers that memory now that is something I've been trying to apply to everything in my house, you know, what are, what is my bond with this object? And is this a true value? Or is this an emotional value that is mostly in me and not in the object itself? And then, of course, another question is, is this truly cluttering up my life? I'm not saying that we have all have to live like Buddhist monks and the only thing we have are empty rooms. I I know that sometimes people will take this to the extreme. Um, in, in, in Japanese minimalism, you'll see these people and they have no furniture whatsoever, not even a bed. They'll just sleep on the floor. And they have empty rooms. Um, it's yeah. I don't I don't know. I, I think what makes minimalism and decluttering a worthwhile effort. Uh, to pursue is if, if the clutter in your life is holding you back and is impeding you to to get to the important stuff in your life. So, however, it's strange how your perception of, of how important things are can change over time. And ever since I started this journey, I never thought that my house would be as empty as it is right now. And I st- when I came back from my vacation in France... I looked around in my living room and I was like, gosh, I have so much stuff. (laughs) And it became easier in the weeks that followed to donate stuff and to get rid of even more furniture and things. And it's getting emptier. and It's getting to the point that I'm actually convinced that I could live in half the space that I currently have. Uh, I live on the upper floor of the rectory. If someone would say well you can't use two or three rooms anymore I would still be perfectly happy I have more than enough space and uh it's it's been one of these ideas in the back of my mind that if for whatever reason um I won't be able to pay the rent anymore or the parish won't be able to uh provide me with a home um and you know in the past that seemed like a total hypothetical situation, but we're getting to the point that a lot of parishes in my country are underwater. A friend of mine who lives in the south told me that 90 percent of their parishes in the south is losing 200,000 a year, or something along those lines. So there are they are bleeding money and they're taking it from their reserves because, of course, a lot of these churches have possessions they have land, they have houses, but they keep selling that stuff in order to pay their debts. To me, as a someone who's been always extremely careful with money, um, it's, it's an outrage. It's ridiculous. But to my shock, this is also the case in my own parish. I'm not responsible for the parish. I'm not the pastor. But the other day I heard that we are still not solvent. Um, th- there's, we're still spending much more money then, then comes in through donations. I, I keep telling myself if I were in charge, this would not happen. It's, I am totally allergic to going into debt, especially. You know, I can imagine that people sometimes will invest first in order to um, to become profitable. For instance, if you open a restaurant, you may want to first invest some of your money or get a loan. Even though that, even that, would not have be my preferred way of, of working. But I can imagine sometimes that is the way to go. But you need to have a very good plan on how you will get that money back as soon as possible. But what I don't understand is that people, individual people or organizations like a parish can continue to spend money that they don't have. Or the only money that they have is what what generations before them brought together. But that is money you want to invest in growth and not uh, dump into holes in your budget. I mean, anyway, you get my gist. It's, um, so, I'm, th- I'm telling myself, if so many parishes are upside down financially, um, there, w- there may very well be a, a moment in history which, where I will still be working as a priest where a parish cannot pay me anymore or cannot provide me with a... a a house well in in a way i think i would be ready for that i would i wouldn't deal with that and the first thing i would do is to look at what is the most costly in my life it's probably the the house and electricity and i think i would totally contemplate uh living in in a in a tiny house Building my own hobbit hole, not because I want to live in a shire-like hole in the ground and because of romantic reasons, because that would cut out uh, 80% of my expenses. And then for energy, I would say, why not go green? Why not get solar panels and heat my house with that? Um, what do you truly need in terms of of energy anyway. I've been living for six weeks on the road, and I did not spend any energy but my own. And so, of course, in the winter, you need to heat the house. But it's ultimately all the equipment, all that, the car, all that. Is it truly, truly necessary? I've been working as a priest for... How long have I not had a car since Rome? So that's 14 years. Last year, someone gave me a car. Uh, it was a second-hand car. The person who didn't uh, was uncertain about his own driving skills, and so the car was 10 years old. He was like, "If you can use it, you can have it." And I'm super happy with it because it helped me to, especially for my work, to go to places to film which were very difficult, if not impossible, to reach with, with, with uh, public transport. But the years before that, for 14 years, I was perfectly happy as a priest and I did all my media work without a car. That's another huge monthly expense that I could cut tomorrow, and I don't think I would suffer from it, or my work would suffer from it. I would just have to make other choices. You wouldn't make the same programs, and you would be more picky about you know, where you go or not. But it's not impossible just requires a little bit of juggling so um, I, I'm still in the back of my mind how much space and how much stuff do I really need to be happy to, to have a, a full life as a priest and the more and more I think about that and the more I declutter and simplify the more I realize that it impacts everything in my life this also has to do with the way I spend my time, and that is something I, I uh, wanted to share with you. Over the past few weeks, I've been making different choices in how I spend my time. Uh, I know that a lot of the stress in my life used to come from anxiety, and that anxiety was linked to the big question: Is what I do? Is that good enough? And when it comes to the job that I have, the work that I do in a parish, but also the work that I do for television, there's always this fear of rejection that what I made was not good enough or I didn't do enough. And it creates this ongoing tension of overstuffing your days, trying to do more than is necessary. And this has, because I've been thinking about this a lot during the Camino, that I started to discover how much that impacted everything I did. Not just my working hours, but also the way in which, for instance, I would consume media. The way I which I would, in which I would spend my free time. I would just stuff that with television series I needed to watch, movies that I needed to go to and see, uh, video games that I wanted to play, uh, Lego sets I wanted to build, Um it was this. It was as if there was. It was never enough. It was never a time to be just content and happy with what I did. And the moment I I started to discover that that this this anxiety of not being good enough was causing the most problems in my life, and the journey to Santiago has helped me to let go of that. And I, I I still remember very very strongly that moment uh, where I walked to the Cruz de Ferro this uh, this iron cross and the stone that I carried and and put on at the feet of that cross was exactly this fear of being rejected and like I don't want to live in fear anymore and that created so much inner peace and it translates also to the kind of the the way I I spent my time right now so um, to make it more concrete, oftentimes in the evening, uh, I would work. I would just continue to, to answer my email and, and work on on content, and I would update my Facebook page. And uh, what I try to do now is to work during the day, not overdo it, just, you know, do the things I, I know how to do well, and I can deliver. And not worry about all the other potential things that I could do. The One of my biggest pitfalls was always is, I have an idea, it needs to be realized tomorrow. And I would do f- 15 things instead of 5. And 10 of them would stay unfinished. Because of course you can only spend your time once. Um, that pressure is fading away. And I'm more and more happy with just doing the things that I know I can do well and that are helpful to other people. It also means that I don't have to be in this perpetual state of productivity and thinking that everything that I do, even in my spare time, should result in a production. That's been one of my big things in the past. It's like every movie I saw Needed to end up in a podcast. Every TV show that I was following. Or enjoying. Had to be a series on SQPN. (laughs) And. It would start as a hobby. And as something that was fun. And it would always. Always without. uh, uh, Without exception. End in uh, the feeling of. Of having to do homework. That even my spare time. Was. Became a chore. And that's. No longer the pressure that I feel I I pick my The things that I do So for instance uh, Instead of working Late at night And to Spend my time at the computer And trying to play All the video games that I have And feeling guilty If I would have Purchased a game And not play it anymore And I didn't get to level 100 And staying at level 98 Right now I have another attitude Um after dinner, I may play a video game if I have energy. If that's what I want to do. But if I don't, I'm not going to. And um, I, uh, the past few weeks, I've been spending much more time in my rocking chair. Reading. And one of my joys right now is to just read an hour before I go to bed. It, this also has to do with another um, choice... ...which I hope I can uphold... ...because it's kind of out of my comfort zone... ...I would always read in bed. This is, I've been doing this since I was a child. I would read hours and hours... ...and there were times that I... ...could read until three or four in the morning... ...if I wanted to uh, finish a book. Um, gradually, over time, the books... ...were replaced by... Uh, ...e-readers and tablets and phones. And so... I would uh, just read on my iPad. The thing is, it it does impact your sleep. Uh, There's been a lot of research on that, and it's true. Uh, the, The other thing that I would do is I would listen to podcasts. I would feel guilty. I've got such a backlog, and there's so many shows that I still need to listen to. And I would just start to listen to a podcast in bed, and I would fall asleep. And then I would wake up in the middle of the night, and then because of the bad mattress that I had, I would not be able to go back to sleep immediately because I would have pain in my back. And so I would just put on a podcast and listen to that. And it would... It's so... um, It was creating so much noise in my life and, in a way, also mental fatigue that um, about two weeks ago, I decided, you know what? I am going to try something different. I'm not going to allow any electronic devices in my sleeping room anymore. This also had to do with uh, my rediscovered value of sleep because of the new mattress and sleeping so well. Like I don't need to have tablets and and phones and podcast devices in my sleeping room. When I go to bed, I go to bed. And um, that's what I did. And instead I'm, I'm reading... In the rocking chair, and I'm reading both um, on my iPad and sometimes just paper books. I'm currently reading a fun book about how the original Blade Runner movie was made. It's a paperback that I bought secondhand years, years ago. Uh, and there's something relaxing about just reading a regular book, book, and not having a screen in your face. But I'm also really enjoying the um, Marvel Unlimited subscription that I have, which allows me to read comics on my iPad and this has been such a game changer because it has an active panel uh, technology where instead of just showing you an entire page which of course an iPad is not that big so if you would read a comic by just seeing the entire page and then you had to manually zoom into the, the 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 pictures that makes for very um clumsy reading Marvel, the app has a, a, a function that you can activate where it will lead you over the page and it will zoom into stuff and it, it's almost like a camera going over the pa- pages and it's so well done. It's, uh, it makes reading so much fun. It's like this flow now where I can just start a comic series and then just read five or six issues in a, in, in, on an evening and uh, it's the first time in my life that I am truly enjoying reading comics for an extensive time. But at the end of the day, I just put the iPad down and I don't go back to the computer anymore. I don't check my email. I don't go checking my Facebook page. I just go to bed and I sleep immediately. It's, it's, it's been a great, a great change and gives me more energy during the day. So, um, but I had to kind of detox when it comes to the consumption of media. I was like so used to always check Facebook, always check my email, always go and go to TweetDeck and read all the Twitter feeds and uh, see the latest YouTube videos. I'm kind of toning that down. It's like, what's the rush? I, I go to Facebook whenever that is something I want to do, but it's, yeah, I'm not going to worry about what I miss. Same thing with podcasts. I listen to the shows that I'm interested in at that particular moment. I'm not going to feel frustrated when I miss an episode. (laughs) They will always be there online if I want to go back and re-listen. And the same is true for for YouTube videos. You know, I don't have to watch everything. There are thousands of videos every second on YouTube. There's always something. But it's... 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 (sighs) The fear of missing out, I think, is gone. And that fear was linked to, I think, the anxiety of of me not, doing, not feeling that I did enough and that everything in my life had to be productive and useful. Before I re- recorded this, this, this episode of The Walk, I just walked. I just walked for a couple of hours and I was just thinking and relaxing and, and enjoying nature. And I wasn't even thinking of making use of that time in another way than just walking around and relaxing. I think a few years ago, I would have felt so guilty. It's like, ah, oh, I need to get to work. I need to record a vlog or I need to do a live stream. Now I'm like, no, no, I'm just here and it's good. And I will record an episode when I've gathered my thoughts. And, you know, that's, that's about it. And it doesn't have to be a long show or... I'm just sharing what is currently on the top of my mind, and that's enough. You know, it doesn't have to come looking at the time now. Like, I've recorded for half an hour, and I think I've shared what I wanted to share with you. So, I could, of course, force myself to record another half hour, but that would just be banter. There will be another episode next week. I don't want to rob you from your time, so it's, it's kind of this calmness that comes from simplifying my life and focusing on the things that I believe I need to do and I'm not I cannot force my 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 life onto other people anyway Uh, I share what changes me what is important to me and that may or may not change your life and help you or maybe not help you that's not My concern—that's not not something I need to worry about—and it's not the quantity of what I do that will change people or will change the world. It's the quality that matters. And I think that this will translate also in the way we run our 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 social media apostolate. Um, Instead of going for quantity, I would like to focus on quality and on having regular shows a regular output i think that's much more important than posting like six or seven times a day i read something on on the feed of buffer which is a uh, a, a service that we've been using to run our social media streams Um, and they noticed that they had a strategy in which they would post i think eight or ten times a day both on twitter and on facebook and then they, they switched to only one or twice a day, once or twice a day. But the content would be much more thoughtful, better quality, uh, really uh, picked. The, they, they wanted to, to be stuff that people would enjoy clicking on and would really help them and would be shareable. And their engagement and the no- amount of followers rose instead of what they thought would happen would lower because they went for quality and they went to add to the things that truly added value to to their audiences. Instead of focusing on themselves, like, we need to get our brand out and we need to... You know, every tweet would be kind of like a secret like branding message. Uh, but that's ultimately still uh, focused on what you think is important to you. Get the, get the word out, get the brand out, get the maximum followers. And the moment they started focusing on what is truly valuable for our audiences and let's focus on quality, that's when they started to grow. I think that's an important lesson for us. That's also, by the way, one of the reasons that um, I've decided um, with Inge to reduce our channels, our Tridio channels. Um, And this is also something um, that that impacted our strategy when it comes to our podcast uh, channels. We used to create pages and Twitter feeds for every show. And sometimes even multiple pages for the same show. Uh, We would have channels in Dutch, in English. um, The Secrets of... Every show would have its own Facebook page. And the idea back then was... The more we're out there, the easier it will be for people to find us. And then, once they finally find our Secrets of the Pirates of the Caribbean page... They will also go to our other pages. Well, that was not what was happening. The opposite was true. We became burned out because we had way too many channels to to be able to manage. We didn't have the output to fill those channels, um, let alone the time to build a community. And people did not cross over. Because if you are uh, a fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean or Star Wars and you have your own page, you you you... Just follow that page because, well, every once in a while, there will be a Star Wars post in your feed. If the if the feed doesn't bring you anything new, then you won't even go to the page itself. So, it's uh, how it works. Twitter is even worse. People have subscri- or are following so many individual people and channels, and the Twitter stream. Just goes by at full speed for so many people. So the, the chances that they will actually see your content are so slim, let alone you know the ability to build communion, community. That's almost impossible on Twitter nowadays. So we decided to bring everything back to one page for Tridio. Uh, we also wanted to be consistent in our, so that people could find us more easily and. Uh, Tridio, the word Tridio, uh, was around before Tridio was around in the sense that there was this um, uh, Indian guy and I think his name kind of resembles Tridio but it's like something like Trivio or, but he registered Tridio on Facebook and well, it's first come, first serve so that name is not available to us. We used to have pages that were, um, had URLs based on the language But we don't want to do that anymore. We want one page, one Tradio page, one community with multiple language. And nowadays, the technology enables you to do that. You can post uh, with translations on and you can add a translation yourself so that people who, for instance, don't speak English will only see the Dutch text or will have a button to translate. And Twitter is also offering a translation uh, option in, at least when you're using the Twitter web the page in your browser. I'm not sure about the about the applications because I'm more of a Tweetdeck user and in Tweetdeck I don't think you have translations yet. But that's only a matter of time. This is the way is, things are going is multi-language So there's only one page now and we called it Tridio Media because that's the, kind of the common denominator for everything we do. We are Tridio and we make media or we work in a media. Um, and it, it covers all our activities, even the third-party stuff that we do. It's still Tridio Media. So uh, we went in and merged all the Facebook pages, so even the followers that were only following the Dutch feed will now uh, be automatically brought into the the the, the 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 new page of Tridio Media. We completely rebuilt the YouTube channel. This was another issue that we had to work uh, hard on because the YouTube channel turned out to be linked to the, to just individuals. I think it was linked to my account and then something else. And the thing is, we, we also, um, moved all our, um, Google apps over to a new account, which is a nonprofit account uh, because we're a nonprofit, but we had a paid account. Um, and the result is that we had to basically, there was no way to to transfer the the old YouTube page to a new account. Um, and, of course, it was terribly frustrating because we would lose all our views. But then I think, you know, what are views? It's just a, a record of the past. The views themselves don't have value anymore because the videos already have been watched. We know how how successful they were. So, eh, it's just basically something you, you would only use to show off. Look Look how many videos... People have watched, but there is not not a real practical problem in starting a new. So that's what we did. We cleaned the entire YouTube channel, and I'm starting to rebuild it up. And that's not a problem. I mean, yeah, you got to start a new. You have to point people to it. But we only had a couple of hundred followers anyway, because people tend to consume what we produce via other ways right now. So it's all through Facebook and podcasting. And perhaps over time, YouTube may become stronger if that is where our audiences live. We'll see. It's not a problem. And so, in Twitter, same thing. We had four or five Twitter accounts, and then I think every show had a Twitter account. I think I was managing at a certain time with Tweeddeck. I was managing 20 Twitter accounts, all linked to the podcasts or to Tridio Productions. Crazy. And, and really not sustainable. So again, we... we we decided to go for simplicity. I have just one Twitter account. We'll keep the languages because that's for now it's still... But the, the only account that we will continue to feed and grow is Tridio Media. And I did this on a personal level as well. I had um, a personal profile on Facebook, a personal page. I had um, Geek Priest as a page, uh, tons of other uh, Pixel Priest, which was for games all merged or deleted and there's only father roderick right now so it's facebook.com slash father and i keep my profile my personal profile but over time i am going to keep that to use that for my really personal things so vacation photos and exchanges with family that's kind of the way a, pro- a profile was meant to be used anyway um, and but i'm doing that gradually just to give people the opportunity to move over to my facebook page and um and it it just simplifies everything it makes handling social media so much easier uh and then it frees up time and also mental space to focus on on building the things that you truly want to do and not lose your time on on all this clutter all this digital clutter and so I'm happy the focus is paying off because we're getting more done than ever right now, um, and with the offices down the downstairs and the upcoming uh official blessing of the spaces and the uh, the opening and the new season the 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 kind of the when vacation is over the the fall and winter season i I think we're we're bound to enter a new era and um and because of the focus. will yield I think better quality and more consistency and that's much more important than the mere quantity and a multiplication of channels hopefully you'll be able to tell the difference Uh, if so if you want to witness what will happen make sure you follow Tridio Media on Facebook I'm pretty sure you already do and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel which is also tridio media but you still have to click on the link first because we think we need 100 followers before or subscribers before we can change the URL into tridio media so you can help us actually by subscribing to our YouTube channel the links are in the show notes thank you so much for listening thanks for your support hopefully this this dump of my what's going currently my what is it the flux of my conscience may have some elements that that are useful or or inspiring to you. Um, And uh, thank you for your support as well. Um, Your suggestions, your financial support over at patreon.com slash fatherrodrick and your support of SQPN and Tridio. I will talk to you soon. Take care. God bless.